0: Okay, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Kevin will pass one out this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 5, this morning. Just before we start, I was thinking yesterday... And I know I say this a lot, but I just felt like I should remind you, you have all power to live a holy life, amen? You have the Holy Spirit that lives within you, and my prayer for my life in your life is that we would understand the power we have to live for Jesus. I just thought I should say that, so let's move on. 1 <laughs> Timothy chapter 5, last week, we talked about people using their gifts to edify one another, not to neglect them, not to care for them. How we can recognize, impart gifts into one another, the laying on of hands, the praying of the leadership, the eldership over you. We remembered last week that 1 Timothy is a book by Paul to Pastor Timothy of how the church should be run in terms of doctrine, procedure, leadership, all of these things. And today we're going to talk about relationship. How the church should look in regards to relationship and benevolence because these are things that affect our lives. How are we to treat one another and how are we to offer help or who should get help? These are questions that often come in our lives. Who should we help if someone asks us for help? Or how should we help them? There's a lot of information in this chapter. I'm not going to go through all of it, but hopefully we'll get the spirit of what it's saying this morning. So let's start in chapter 5. And first we'll read verses 1 and 2. It says this, do not rebuke an older man in 1 Timothy chapter 5, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. So here we have a design or structure in regards to how to treat one another. Basically put into three words, whether you like it or not. We are family. And you might not like the person next to you. Too bad. But maybe when you grow up, you didn't like your sister or brother either. But you actually had to learn to love them. And we have to learn to love one another. We are not a business, the church is not a corporation. We don't necessarily work by a certain, if this happens, this happens. Relationship involves our need for the Holy Spirit to be working in our lives, to love, to have patience, to forgive, to grow. Family is a funny thing, isn't it? Sometimes the people closest to us are the ones we treat the worst. That's not what God would have in our lives. Sometimes we can look pretty to the stranger, or when we go out, but when we're at home, maybe we're ourselves. I just want to encourage you today, you are among your brothers and your sisters. I want to encourage you today, even so as the scripture says, there's some mothers and fathers among us, anyone who is older than you. This is nothing new, what Paul says. We know Jesus said it in Mark chapter 3, when his mother and his brothers were there, and everyone said, your mother and your brothers are there, and he said, well, he who does my will truly is my mother and my brother and my sister. Obviously, there's a little... Yeah, I'm learning in Scripture, there's a season of Scripture, because we're going to talk about widows. It says we need to take care of our own family, too. So there is immediate family, right, that we need to, to care for, but we all are family And we need to care for one another. It's interesting the expectations we have on our family as well. Usually when we're in trouble, for the most part, and I know some families have had difficult times, but we call family, right? Hey, what would you do in this situation? Can you help me, right? And we should have that freedom in the body of Christ. And I want to mention this to you, that the body of Christ does not stop at Northgate, amen? Everyone who's a believer is a part of the body of Christ, and in heaven we're not going to have our own little part. This is the Northgate crowd, and over there's the free Methodists and Pentecostals, right? We are all going to be there together. Specifically though, Paul does say a few words. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort. The word rebuke In the Greek has a connotation of correcting sharply. The word exhort, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, is rather coming alongside the same root word used for the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John, the helper. That's exhort. So what it's saying with older men, instead of speaking to them sharply, you need to come alongside of them gently and bring them the right way. There's this idea of honor that is mentioned here that we can see with older men and older women. We know in Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says we are to honor our mother and father. So when it puts every person who is older than us as our mother and father, we should have the same respect for them as we would our mother and father. Now, I think in our culture we all could say that we don't do well with the elderly. I would say Asia, South America, probably does a little better in regards to caring for, not so much Christians, but our secular society, almost feel that it's something we have to do instead of something we get to do. But caring for the elderly is something that God is very serious about. Honor and respect in the Lord's eyes, if we fear him, is something that we should do. So as we see older men and women in the body of Christ, I would ask you to honor them, to respect them. And not to see them as a burden and certainly not to criticize them sharply. Older women as mothers and the idea is gentleness and love. Leviticus 19.32 says, You shall rise to give honor, that's what it means when you rise, to give honor before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and I will add an old woman, and fear your God, for I am the Lord. This behavior is something that God is serious about. We're to honor, to respect, because of our fear for God. That's why we do it. Not because it's easy, but because we fear God, because he is the Lord. That's why we honor and Respect. It is so interesting, even (laughs) I've heard sermons or just having different cultural people come into my house like Carter and GR. I was always taught that Amy and I try to serve the kids first at dinner. And I could see their faces like, what are you doing? They should be serving you. It's a different culture. We were just always taught that's a good thing to try and show your kids you love them by serving them, and I do think that's a good thing. But I think we've lost something in our society. I have heard sermons when a grandfather or a father comes in the home to the table, no one sits before he sits. It's just respect in other cultures, and I'm not saying we have to get legalistic about it, but I would say we need to open our eyes to understand that there's a generation that's passed before us that is sacrificed for us and loved us and cared for us as we see as our care for widows really is just paying them back with what they deserve why is this important to us well we want to live our lives like that most of us have parents and grandparents and we can glean and learn from them amen There's so much to learn, and some situations are very difficult. There have been difficult family experiences. But just because of abuse, we don't throw away good doctrine. Amen? Amen? Why else is this important to us? Perth, in Lanark County. If you look at the proportion of elderly, it is one of the greatest. In times past, Perth was known as a community of one of the retirement capitals of Ontario, a place where people come because it's beautiful to retire. Well, think of that. There's a lot of people who need to be loved, cared for, honored, and respected. And have i talked to people some day as the Lord put it, on people's heart, there are so many shut-ins in our community just begging for company, believers and unbelievers. And as we have extra time, it might be something we would pray about to meet those needs. I think the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need to honor and exhort with Respect. And I think there's no time like the present. In the widow's discussion, it says, You're not a widow unless you're over 60. So I thought, What would be a good age to honor this morning? Are you old when you're over 45? I wanted to be included, so as a joke. Uh, <laughs> over 60, right? So if you're over 60 this morning, I wanna honor you and pray for you and show you that we wanna respect you. Now, don't hodgepodge with your age and say, well, I don't feel 60. I feel like I'm 27. Do we have anyone? Would you stand up if you're over 60 years old this morning? Don't be afraid. We wanna honor you. All right, Bob, come on. I know you look young. (laughs) And you might say, oh, this is a good looking bunch. I wouldn't even thought they were over 60. I want you to do something now. If some of you would just stand and lay hands on them, I want to pray for them, that God would bless them. and We want to honor them, and we want to respect them, and we want them to know that they are important this morning. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for these who have walked before. Thank you for these mothers, fathers, these a little older than us that are sitting down. God, I pray a blessing upon them. Lord, would you help us to honor them, to exhort them not to speak sharply, to show them the respect that comes with age. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with each one, that you would show them that they're loved, and may we remember to sacrifice Maybe some of our busyness to bless them as they have sacrificed for us. Lord, Holy Spirit, strengthen them, touch them for your glory. Amen. Amen. Now I have another assignment for you. That's not it. Because it's good to have homework, amen? If you come here just to listen, that's no good. We want to see it put into action. So here's my encouragement this week. Would you take time to write a note, make a phone call, or plan a visit to your parents, if you can, your grandparents? And I didn't say you had to go, but if you could write them a note to tell them how much you appreciate them, you love them, and if you don't have that ability, there are people in our congregation who can't come to church anymore. And I'm sure they would love a phone call. I'm sure they would love a note, a card. I'm sure they would love a visit. Would you love maybe those who are older in our body who aren't your parents but you would treat them like your own family let's put our faith in action now i think it's great because we have a lot of kids as you can see all these seats were almost full and praise the lord for our sunday school teachers they do a great job and we do a lot for kids and we want to do a lot for kids Praise the Lord, but we don't want to leave our seniors behind, because God's word doesn't. Amen. Now I have a word for you, seniors, <laughs> who might think I got nothing to do anymore. I paid my dues. No, 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 no. No. A year ago, I went to teenagers, which is one of my favorite activities each year in town. They have about a hundred seniors gathering on Thursday morning. And once a year, I get a phone call, as all the other local pastors do, and I get to go there and share with them. And often I ask the Lord, what do you want me to share? I want something specific every time I share God's word, something applicable. And I went there and I said to them, you are valuable. You are important. And your ministry needs to continue. There is no retirement in the Bible. You understand that and you say well i don't have the energy to continue to do some of the things i once did i look at this section about widows and paul says if you truly are a widow he has some areas to show that but then he says very clearly that they need to continue in supplication and prayers night and day now seniors i'm not asking you to stay up all night but i am asking you to pray Because you might have a little more time. You might not be running after little ones who are three and five, or you might not have teenagers that are wreaking havoc in your home. Not that that happens. But sometimes teenagers do take a lot of energy, right? You might be gifted not with energy, not with zeal, not with physical strength, but you might have time. And I remember looking at those 70, 80, 90 years old, and I said, You can change. You can change the course of this community if you will pray. If you have time to pray, you can do it. And I want to encourage you as the widows are asked to pray, would you pray? Grandmas and grandpas, would you pray? Mom and dads need it. Would you pray for your grandkids? Would you pray for other kids? Would you just pick out a couple names in our body of young people you can pray for, that you can invest in morning and evening and even as you fall asleep? If our body operates in their gifts and if some have more time and they can pray, it will change the course of things. Amen? It's a little exhortation. (laughs) You like that? come alongside. No rebuke here, only exhortation. The rest of the section, basically younger brothers, people younger than us, treat them as brothers, younger women, sisters with all purity. If you didn't hear, but about a month ago, Amy and I did a teaching on purity. I don't want to review that necessarily, but I will say this. We need to treat younger women in all areas, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually with all purity. When a woman walks into the body of Christ, no matter where she attends or is with a Christian, she needs to feel safe. A brother protects a sister. Amen. And that is what we are called to do, not to take advantage, but to have all purity with one another and the scandals and the difficulties we hear of are because this scripture has not been honored or maintained amen and brothers you need to keep your brothers accountable there are words that are not acceptable we need to keep ourselves here in all purity for God's glory One word to brothers with brothers. Sometimes we need a little intervention. Brothers do that. A couple brothers get together. They grab another brother and they're like, don't do that. Don't go that way. We're your brothers and you're being a fool. And they grab them and hold them and talk to them. Brothers, you have our permission to gather together and to encourage one another. This is the way to go. That's what a family does. You grab your brother and be like, don't do that right? It didn't say we can't rebuke brother to brother. <laughs> and I think it's important. And that's a family. When we work together, and sometimes brothers need a little intervention. A wonderful time at Soli a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of men, brothers in the Lord, who I think were rebuking and exhorting one another to the truth of the way we should live. That's what we're called to. And sisters, sometimes sisters, you know, sometimes sisters fight. That's okay. But sometimes sisters get a hold of each other as well and say, I made that mistake. You don't make that mistake. You ever had an older sister? I went that way. I talked to mom and dad like that. You shouldn't do that. That's what a sister does. And that's how we need to treat one another, to encourage, to love, and to exhort and rebuke sister to brother, brother to brother. So the next section in regards to this, is honoring widows. Again, this was a very cultural problem in the New Testament. We know Acts chapter 6, they had to appoint more deacons just to care for the widows. There was no long-term care facilities, right? It just wasn't there. The government didn't pitch in. There was no checks coming in every month. There was no ability. So that left family and church to take care of the elderly, especially the widows. And there was a high number of that. That number was growing as the church was growing. And so it was necessary that there was a plan in place of how to take care of widows or the elderly because the government just didn't do it. Now today it's a little different. Our government does help us. And so it does change things for us but there certainly has to be the spirit of this section has to speak to us into our lives of what we can do better and what we should be doing in regards to our own family and taking care of our parents and our grandparents we know jesus himself demonstrated this on the cross when he cared for his mother when he said to john the disciple in one of his last seven statements you take her into your home that's what he was saying you take care of my mom, Mary. Very interesting, because even in his agony and all he was going through, yet he knew to make sure that his mother was cared for. And that's an example for us. Amen? It actually, if you look, greater at the passage, really deals with benevolence in general. And you might be like, well, what does that word mean? Basically, it's helping others when they need help, or how to help others. You might say to me, Jesus said in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, no matter what someone asks, you give it to them. We cannot make a law out of that, because Paul here, fleshing it out, says, not so. Some might ask for help, but there's some criteria And there's some things that you need to apply. And we can see that as a church. And maybe you can see that as an individual. If someone's come to ask you for help, ask you for money, and you think to yourself, what do I do? And someone say, well, Jesus said, if you got 100 bucks, give him 100 bucks. Jesus was talking to our heart. And that our heart always has to be willing and ready to help. But we know in our society that there are those at times where we have to flesh out how we help. Amen? We need to be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And Paul is here, and he states some criteria, because here's some widows, they come to the door. I'm a widow, church, help me. I need help. Paul says, who should get the help? Who is the one in need, knowing the spirit of what Jesus said is, we need to do something, right? Right? Amen. So, Jesus is saying, if you want to sit in your house and help no one, you're wrong. You have to have the heart to help, no matter the cost. Paul is saying, well, here are some, maybe some guidelines for benevolence when someone asks you for help, or someone asks our church for help, which is a common thing. So, what does he say in regards to this? First, I would think in summarizing this passage, well, let me read it completely through and then I'll just make a few points and we'll be finished this morning. It says this, honor widows who are really widows in verse 3. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone, trusts in God, and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives, and these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under sixty years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man." Well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but refused the younger widows, for they have grown wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage a house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those Who are really widows? I'm not gonna speak exactly to the culture and what was expected, but I will say a few things. First, before we get into benevolence and need, I think the passage is clear. If you have the ability to take care of your family, what should you do? Take care of them. Everyone understand that? That's pretty clear, right? I don't have to repeat that, but if you're like, oh, I don't know, hey, Sacrifice, get involved, and help out. Doesn't mean they have to live with you, but you need to be involved in their lives. Amen? Yeah. So I think that's very clear. Also, when someone asks you, or in this situation with the widows, I think Paul makes it clear that you have to make sure there truly is a need. A want isn't a need. Amen? Right. What truly is a need? need because Paul's saying you know some are coming but refuse them if they're not of a certain age refuse them if they can go back and work and be involved and start families again there are times when people come and ask and the Holy Spirit has to lead us and guide us but some have the ability to work for instance and sometimes it's hard but the church needs to say you know what I think you can go get a job. I think you can work. We don't need to help you in this situation. Now, obviously, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I want to point out that Paul says there has to be a need that people cannot accomplish in that time for themselves. And you might say, well, that's not like Jesus. That's harsh. Sometimes it's exactly like Jesus. And Jesus knew if you could do it, you should do it. And not that we're opposed to help and not that the Holy Spirit can't lead us to help in certain situations where there is a true need, but I would ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to ask God when someone asks you something, spiritually consider it and ask him to show you how you can help. Oftentimes money isn't the answer. Many times in our fellowship, those who struggle with addictions come to the door and ask for help, but really they need groceries. They don't need more money, right? Really, they need love. They don't need money. And I think it's really important to consider all of these things, but Paul would say, make sure the widow is truly a widow. So I'm going to change that. Make sure the need is truly the need. Now, you're not asked to be a judge in this situation, but you're asked to prayerfully consider the situation. Amen? Are you following along with me? And I think sometimes we need to watch our own heart. Sometimes we're just lazy and we don't want to help, and we should help. So that's between you and God, and you have to ask him and follow the Holy Spirit. But the criteria was clear here. Hey, if you can go marry, you can work, Paul saying go to it. Don't be in the role of widows who can't do that. We need to ask the Lord. Secondly, are they following the Lord? That's what Paul said. Are they trying to do the right thing? Is there spiritual fruit? Paul is saying, what does their life show? Some of us might not like that, but that's the reality of what he's saying here. A widow is a widow, not who's, in his words, I would never say, maybe as bluntly as him, wasting their time, gossiping, wandering, getting themselves in trouble. Those are the ones you have to be careful in helping. You might say, well, it's difficult. Who am I to judge someone else? But I think there's a difference between judging and seeing fruit. And we are called to help those Who truly want to do the right thing and want to change. Otherwise, here's we're enabling sin. That's what we're doing. There might be a very needy person that just doesn't want to change and they ask for help. And what you're simply doing, if you help them in a way that God hasn't asked you to help them, you're enabling their sin. I need money. I need your time. I need you to jump into the situation. Where is your heart? Do you want to change? Have you shown fruit of change? Because I'm learning sometimes words are cheap. And there has to be, as Paul's saying, a little bit of fruit showing you want to change. I had an old pastor say to me once before in regards to discipleship and helping people, you can only truly disciple those who want to be discipled. You can only help those to change who want to change and then you will see fruit and that fruit will allow you to invest more time. Otherwise, you'll get burnt out and it'll be a waste of energy. Again, please balance this with the words of what Jesus says. But some people take the words of Jesus and say, we have to help no matter what. That is not the balance of scripture. There needs to be fruit or if the Holy Spirit is leading you, and even with the unsaved, you will see fruit of people who want to change. Even if they don't believe in the Lord, you will see fruit of the people who want to change. I've had people who work in addictions or difficult counseling, and they say oftentimes, you want help, meet me here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Meet me here tomorrow at 8 a.m. Meet me here for the next five days at 8 a.m. And if they want the help, they'll show up day after day after day. You want my help? Don't go do that anymore. Don't get involved in that, right? And are they honestly trying to do the right thing? Honestly, there's been times I've helped people, and it's gone really well. Offered my home, they've come, stayed. Offered discipleship homes, it went great. There's other times I've offered my home, And it went really bad. (laughs) And I wish maybe, like Joshua, I would have spent more time asking before I made a decision. Are they trying to do the right thing? I think we want to enable people to follow Jesus and not to continue in sin. I guess I just have written in my notes Otherwise, we can be manipulated for people to continue in their sin habits, and that is not God's will. Amen? May our hearts be pure today. May our desire be to help. May we have the heart of Jesus, but may we also have the wisdom of Jesus when we're dealing with people within our body and in the world. Does it make sense? As we leave here, may the Holy Spirit as well help us to honor our elderly, those older than us, and may they know that they are important. I'll just have one last point. If God is asking you to help someone and it's difficult, but you know he's asking you, and you do see fruit and there's growth, but it's hard, when you give, it's God's economy that you will always get back. Sometimes, whether it's your wallet and it causes sacrifice, whether it's your comfort, you don't have enough time to do what you want to do, I have found in my short life that as I've given and not held on to my possessions and my things, that God's economy was, as we give and help, for instance, the widows or others, that it. All comes back in joy, in God's presence. And may I tell you this morning, even in the resources we give out, that God is faithful to provide everything we need. Don't let those things stop you, but be open to be used by God for His glory. Amen. I kind of felt like, oh, this passage, nothing, no big hammer to lay down or no hook, no big, uh, oh, this is so important, just the basic teaching of God's word though, right? So even though we're not, no, no fireworks today, may you believe the truth and walk in it for God's glory. May we learn from his word to become more like him. So don't worry, in a couple of weeks we'll get into money and we'll send some fireworks out, but... Lord Jesus, thank you that you demonstrated care for us. God, thank you for your love for your children in sacrificing and sending your own son as we read this morning in the book of Romans that you loved us while we were yet sinners. You cared for us. We give you praise. This morning, may we be quick to honor quick to respect, quick to give. But Lord, may we have your heart of wisdom. May we continually be praying, praying without ceasing. May we have the discernment of your spirit. May we be led by your spirit when to help and when not to. God, sometimes in our own wisdom we fall short and that's why we pray. We need your wisdom, oh Lord, not Human wisdom, but heavenly wisdom as you talk about in James chapter 3. We need that in everything we do. And so this morning we ask for your glory. We're a family, God, and we're thankful for the family of God. May we learn and grow in our relationships for your glory. This morning we're going to celebrate communion as we do each week to remember Jesus Christ and all he's done for us, to remember God and his love. It's a time to worship him and praise him, but it's also a time to examine our own heart. Lord, we pray that you would examine our hearts. If there's anything we need to confess, to repent of, we want to be open. We want to celebrate our forgiveness, though. We don't want to stay in our sin. We want to realize that we're clean as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only His death, but His resurrection. We are clean and we are free. We're here to celebrate. The elements are in the back. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, He loves you. And the Word of God says, if you'll believe with your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead, you will be saved. You'll start this relationship as you know you're a sinner, and you accept his life and his forgiveness, and if you haven't done that, we would encourage you, exhort you, we would beg you, he loves you so much. He wants to know you, he wants you to be justified from your sin forever. So as there are some leaders in the back during communion, if that's you, please talk to one, and they'd love to lead you in a prayer to accept Jesus into your life. Lord, may your word penetrate us. May we grow to be more like you. We praise you this morning. In your precious name, amen. Amen.